Hi, it's Lynn Galadner, and welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm a writer and entrepreneur, and through decades of writing articles for magazines and newspapers and authoring books, I've learned that we succeed through inspiration from storytelling and deep and mutually beneficial relationships. This show began in 2018 after my father was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and I wanted a way to capture his stories and record his insights. It's grown since then to share stories of how people around the world make meaning from very ordinary pursuits. Now I focus on sharing the stories of writers, authors, and those in the world of publishing to learn how and why we create stories that help us make meaning from the mundane. I'm a former journalist and marketing entrepreneur, and I've been teaching writing for more than two decades. As a writing coach, I help authors build their brands and share their words. I've had eight books published already, and I just finished my second novel, so stay tuned for news about when and where you can read it. If you'd like to write with me, check out my offerings at lynngaladner.com, and you'll find more episodes of this podcast at makemeaning.org, as well as on every podcast platform you can think of. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for tuning in to the Make Meaning Podcast, where you'll find stories of courageous people daring to share their talent with the world. Now, on to the show. Christopher Locke was born in New Hampshire and received his MFA from Goddard College, which is where I first met him and came across his beautiful writing. His poems, fiction, criticism, and essays have appeared in so many literary outlets, including the North American Review, Poets and Writers, Smoke Long Quarterly, The Sun, NPR's Morning Edition, and Ireland's Radio One, among many others. He is the author of three books, including the short story collection, 25 Trumbulls Road, which won the 2018 Black River Chatbook Award. His new book of poems, Music for Ghosts from NYQ Books, and his memoir and essays, Without Saints from Black Lawrence Press, have recently been released. Nominated for Best of the Net and the Pushcart Prize many times, Chris lives in the Adirondacks where he teaches English at SUNY Plattsburgh and North Country Community College. I am so excited to welcome Christopher Locke to the Make Meaning Podcast. So hey, Chris, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Lynn. Yeah, you know, I've known you for a lot of years, but I don't really know your backstory. I'd love to hear when you first started writing and what encouraged you to make it your career. So can you tell me about that? Sure. Um, well, you know, I, I always knew that writing, even when I was a little kid, was something that brought this strange joy to me that other activities didn't, other things didn't. And, you know, I, uh, and I also began to learn even in like third grade when I wrote this story about, I went to this very strict um, Christian school when I was, you know, in uh, third grade, fourth grade. Um, mm-hmm. And I wrote this story about camping and skunks got involved and it was really, and mm-hmm. you know, bodily functions. And it, it's, it upset <laughs> the teachers so much. I knew mm-hmm. that I was on the, on the right track. I said, all right, this is something <laughs> that makes sense. This is something that's actually like a good thing. It's powerful. Um, but it really wasn't until high school that uh, I had this, I think it was a junior I guess in high school, and I had mm-hmm. this uh, really unconventional English teacher, and mm-hmm. she was uh, brash and smart, and you know she really championed untidy emotions, and she was, you know, just a good person, and she was the first person adult 
uh, that mm-hmm. I shared my poetry with. And she, mm-hmm. you know, I showed her this one particular piece that um, I thought was getting too dark. So I, at the end, added three or four lines of something sunny and innocuous and boring. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, but that was on the back page. So it ends on the first page in this very mm-hmm. dark place. She's like, oh, that's wonderful. And I said, oh, it's not done. And I turned it over. <laughs> and she was like, oh, no, wait, what, oh, what is this crap that you're writing? She said, no, <laughs> end it here, like with the possibility of, you know, failure. Like that's, that's, that's the poem. And I was like, oh, and it was the first time that I really started to consider that you have permission to write things that um, are difficult and challenging and scary mm-hmm. and that you're allowed to do that. Um, Mm. so, but then, you know, going to college, undergraduate and working on it and being impatient and, and, uh, wanting to write and publish and write and publish. And it just wasn't working out yet, but really in my, um, graduate study Mm -hmm. that, um, working with some of my mentors that I really started to see my work take off and it started to really gel in a way that I felt like I was, I finally was having a voice that, um, was different then yeah. or it was, it was like my real voice but it was a voice that I didn't know was waiting for me if that makes sense yeah. you know yeah. Um, yeah and and so it was really then that that started to happen and you know I've just been really um persistent with it and because I feel like you know when it comes to writing and and your work and getting it out there that no one cares if you're not self-promoting and doing it yourself so I realized from you know my early 20s that I have to consistently be the one to be like hey look check this out read this Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. want you to understand me this way and like Mm -hmm. consistently you know promote myself Mm -hmm. um just just being like um you know completely ruthless and like you know it's a 24-7 job that you have to uh, really work hard at promoting yourself and so it's, it was really right right after graduate school that things started to to click for me. And then I went from poetry to nonfiction to fiction. And mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm comfortable writing in all three genres. Yeah, I, I'm going to ask you about that in a little bit. Um, I just want to mention, you know, we both went to Goddard College for our MFA. And, you know, it, it seems like it was so long ago, but I wonder if you could just say a few things about, you know, what that did for you and and the experience of that MFA, just, I know it's a while back, but like, just to sort of pull that out of the, out of the ashes a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, I had two, two, two mentors, Jane Wall and, and Michael Klein, and, mm-hmm. and they're both wonderful, fantastic, dynamic, interesting human beings. But really with Michael, he's one of the most important figures for me in my life um, mm-hmm. as a writer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because the first time I think in graduate school, I felt like I was actually a peer that mm-hmm. in some ways we were we were talking on the same level. And that was such a profound feeling that mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe actually I, I can do this thing called make poems and make stories yeah. and 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 create emotions and 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 you know maybe it's possible. So, you know, it really he inspired me and in, in, I mean they both did, but but mm-hmm. but in particular with um Michael, he really inspired me to take great risk mm-hmm. with my writings. You know, though if if like my English teacher that, that I had mentioned had, had done that on a small level. Michael sort of exploded that to this like even greater realm where I felt I have to dig for those places that are most uncomfortable and and choose to 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 to, to be risky with with yeah. my writings and be vulnerable, you know, simultaneously yeah. because yeah. otherwise I'm only doing what uh, you know a million other people could do if they if they wanted to. So being uncomfortable when you're writing, I found is incredibly important. Um, and so Goddard just really, um, showed me that and showed me that I can, um, create a life for myself within writing that, 
that that can resonate with other people. And I really owe it all to my mentors. Yeah, you know, you put that really well. And I don't think I've ever reflected on it in that way. Michael was one of my advisors, too. And I just I was so inspired and motivated by him. But it didn't occur to me until you just said it that it it was like we were treated like peers. Although I mean, in my case, I clearly wasn't at that time. But I really felt like I was taken seriously as a writer for the first time before, you know, I hadn't even taken myself seriously as a writer, really. And so it's almost like part of what what it was like back then was that they were they were giving us permission to believe in ourselves, you know, even though they knew we had a lot of work to do and and really to develop our voices and and our careers and whatever. But um, it, it's really, yeah, it's like amazing that the way you put it because it just the, like the light bulb just went on and I was like, oh my god, that's what they did, and that is such a gift. It's amazing. Yeah, Lynn, that's so great and so well put, and I, I'm in complete agreement with that. You know, because the other thing that allowed me to do for the first time in my life is I could speak of myself to others as a writer without trepidation or fear or mm-hmm. feeling obnoxious. In some mm-hmm. ways, I felt like, you know, it's that whole imposter, you know, feeling that that happens yeah. with every, you know, artist of all stripes. But I, I remember I, I would I would smirk if I got, if I was at some sort of cocktail party or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and like, so what do you do? And I'd be mm-hmm. like, I teach and, you know, <laughs> Mm-hmm. like that you know yeah, so I, yeah. it was the first time I was like no I'm a writer that's what I do <laughs> I write and yeah. say it with, with a completely no 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 irony yeah. no wink um and Goddard allowed that to that that sort of blossoming to happen which which was incredibly important and significant in in development um you have to arrive at that place mm-hmm. where you where you accept yourself on your own terms and you're not um lo- looking at it in the way that you have to make excuses for it or you have, you have to some, some, somehow downgrade it or mm-hmm. um, add excuses to it to, to, to make it more palatable for others who, who, who are less inclined to understand what you mean. It's just like, fucking, I don't care what you think. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I'm proud yeah. of it. And yeah. I'm going to keep doing it. So. Yeah, totally. And you know, it's funny because I, when I'm looking back on it, I feel like I, d- I don't feel like there was really competition between all of us in the program. I feel like it was such a supportive place. And that is remarkable too, because so many, so many places in our lives are just filled with competition and fear. And, you know, well, he can't succeed because then I won't or whatever. And I just don't think that was there. I think that was one of the beauties too, that, um, that I really haven't understood until this moment, but that it was just a place where we could nurture our voices and, and allow them to come forth. And that's just amazing. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We went through it together and it, it, I didn't, I agree. I didn't find it. There was no competition weirdness of like, well, yeah. you know, someone's success somehow, um, you know, speaks poorly of your own or some kind of weird perspective. Yeah. I, I, I always felt inspired by all the work that everyone else was doing and it inspired yeah. me to do even more. So it was more about in, in, inspiration than anything yeah. else and, yeah. and about freedom. I just yes. felt so, I, I felt, I felt so free there yeah. to, to explore those areas. And, you know, and, and, and as I, as I dug deeper to um, uncover my, my, my voice. So yeah, uh, it yeah. was really a wonderful time. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, and to speaking about freedom, you mentioned um, that you consider you love writing because it's freeing and boundless. So tell me a little bit about that experience for you. Like, how is the writing freeing? How do you see it as limitless? Like, tell me a little bit about that. Well, because you're in, in writing for me anyways, I, I can speak to those events and experiences where bad things happen, you know, bad choices are revealed, um, doubt, creeps in regret um you know of course there's happiness and joy 
and 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 profundity and 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 love. But the thing that I that I that I feel really good about is that I think that writing is a form that allows for that type of exploration of loss and discontent and struggle and suffering. And and I can do it in a way where I feel that I'm putting it to a page and I'm sharing it with others because I know other people go through that. And I know they experience that. And so if I can speak to it and do it in a way where I'm not ashamed and I can say, you know, these things have happened that, you know, the old, the old adage of bad choices make good stories is true. However, Mm -hmm. there needs to be something that comes from that. That's a little bit more significant and um, has texture and more three dimensions that you can carry with you further into your life that can work as hopefully as, as something resounding and as something that has taught you something that's um, tangible. I guess that's the word that I want is, is something tangible. So it allows me anyway, this sense that I can speak to and, and, and un, unravel and better mm-hmm. understand choices I've made in my life. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel in another medium, if I tried to do that, it wouldn't be as successful or there wouldn't be as much fluidity to that process. So mm-hmm. I feel really comfortable in doing that. And again, the second piece being, I know that other people go through this shit. I know that other people suffer and, and experience great sorrow and, mm-hmm. and and struggle. And I feel that if they feel there's one more voice that makes someone feel that much less alone, I think that's really important. And it's also, um, you know, it's a responsibility, like, like in some ways, you know, and yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I just love it. Yeah. You know, I teach a lot of um, adults writing and, and I love that because, I mean, they're coming to it out of choice and maybe longing, you know, after a long time of like not taking it seriously or thinking this is a hobby, quote unquote, or whatever. And I always say, you know, if one person is changed or inspired or comforted or supported because of what you wrote, isn't that a success? And they're like nodding vigorously, like, yes, that's, you know, and like probably more than one person is going to be moved and inspired and feel like they're not alone because of what you've shared. And so um, I love that. Yeah, I think that's that's super, super powerful. And um, so I want to ask you a little bit about your writing life. So how much of your day is focused on writing and how much on teaching or other pursuits? Yeah, it, you know, it varies. I mean, you know, the only thing that's the only fixed schedule I have as as far as like job wise, whatever that means is Mm -hmm. teaching. And so those days I know are consumed by uh, spending time in the classroom, working one on one. uh, with students um, aggressively to get them to uh, discover how writing can, you know, speak for them and about them and also in the large classroom. But when it comes to my own personal writing, I have to really take that when I can get it because I am so busy. But um, I, it usually works best for me when I know that I've had, that my, my schedule has been kind of cleared off and I might have three or four hours in the morning. And I know that there aren't any responsibilities that I need to um, meet. And so I can spend that time to, to, to work, but it's not, I don't have a, um, a fixed schedule. Mm-hmm. Like I say, every day I'm going to write for one hour. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I know that life is, 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 is too, is too, you know, um, unsuspecting and, mm-hmm. and surprising to be able to do that. So I yeah. have to do it. I take it when I can get it. Um, yeah. but, 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 but I think I, I would say, you know, teaching take, to, takes a good chunk of time be, being a husband and a father, mm-hmm. uh, also take, to, to takes up a, a large chunk of time. So I take writing when I can get it. And it's usually, I'd say per week, try to, you know, three or four mm-hmm. mornings. I, I work best. I don't know. I, I'm always in awe of writers who say, 
that they work best at night. And now, oh, yeah. but, but, no. but, but by that point, I'm mentally drained uh-huh. and I'm just, I can't, you know, that's what I want to read. Yeah. You know, yeah. more, more than anything. Yeah. So, um, sure. yeah. So, so it, so it, so it definitely varies. Okay, cool. Um, so, okay. I'm not joking when I say that I teared up after reading the essay corrections. Like I really, really did. So I just, you know, I loved your book without saints. I, um, I couldn't put oh, it down. You. I literally read it in one sitting and I'm going to go back to it as well. But, you know, your writing is so beautiful and terrifying at the same time. So damn real. Like I just, I literally, I literally had tears in my eyes after I finished reading uh-huh. corrections. Um, and I don't think that was the only one, but that one just really, really stood out. And, and I loved them all. And, oh my God, um, the one with your daughter and the dog. Oh my yeah, God. You know, the night like fairy. the night fairy. Yeah. Yeah. And she's okay. She's grown now. Yeah. 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 She's, she's 18 and she, uh, she's a dancer at, um, Boston conservatory. So, nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she's doing well. Yeah. So tell me about making without saints. I want to hear how it all came together and, and, and where these essays came from too. Sure. Well, I mean, as you know, well, first, thank you so much for, 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 for just reading it and, and, mm-hmm. and, and for being engaged with it. That means, that means so much to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm glad that it resonated. And, and the book itself initially was much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd actually got an agent mm-hmm. and I put together kind of like just this sort of like kitchen sink approach to essay writing. I'd always want to write a memoir, but I felt, mm-hmm. I felt that I knew that I wanted to change up the genre mm-hmm. a little bit, that I wasn't mm-hmm. content with this traditional narrative arc that mm-hmm. you find in memoir and I wanted it to be like singles mm-hmm. from a best of album mm-hmm. and so but but the problem at first was that I had put too many singles you know it's like they, <laughs> they they asked for 10 songs and a single album and I, and I gave them like you know four sides and 48 songs and it was just <laughs> it, it just didn't work and 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 then so I started to cull it and I started to cull and pull it out and and narrow it and thin it and whittle it down till I got it to the absolute muscle and bone of what I of, the, of these experiences that, that I thought were most impactful and important. And then once mm-hmm. I put that together that way, uh, and, and at that point, I had worked with the agent for about a year and a half, and it just mm-hmm. wasn't going to work out. And it was mm-hmm. fine, so we went our separate ways. Mm-hmm. And so I had I was left with this with this manuscript that had been whittled down. And, uh, and I had a relationship with Black Lawrence Press, and I said, well, I don't know. I mean, um, they've already shown that nepotism is not in their trade because I had mm-hmm. published a chapbook with them and I thought, oh, that's going to open the doors. I can publish anything <laughs> with them. But like mm-hmm. a year later, I, I sent them a new collection of poems and they rejected it. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. That was like, <laughs> holy crap. So, mm-hmm. so then anyway, so back to this, I had this, the, the, this manuscript. I said, well, uh, I'm just going to send it and see. And Diane, um, who's, who's the editor there is just, uh, was just awesome and mm-hmm. and she loved it and she said she wanted to she, she wanted to run with it so, mm-hmm. so yeah so it had gone from this really large unruly you know collection of of of, of essays that I thought in some ways too they they kind of just seemed to they, they just bounced around and there was mm-hmm. just too much mm-hmm. too much to this much more streamlined um mm-hmm. a, a approach that I think works works well yeah. yeah it has really a great flow and it, I just feel like there's a progression in the subject matter and the characters that is so natural and and in you, you know, in, in your voice. And I just think, you know, I was thinking about it as a writer, as a writing coach um, afterwards, like, oh, how did he decide which ones to keep and which ones to put where? And it just feels very perfectly placed. Like, I don't know if there was any shuffling around for you or any, any um, indecision. I mean, did it just sort of fall into place like that? 
Yeah, well, well, well there was certainly some um, some thought process that was, you know, below it was sub terra, so mm-hmm. to speak. It was it was more than just you know assembling the, the essays in a way that, that that I thought made sense, but I wanted it to actually not just be a collection of pieces that showed you know, my experiences through my life, but also the birth of me as a, as a human and, a, mm-hmm. and like a, the birth into myself as, as a human and as a, and as a writer. And so that's a, I start off in the very beginning, as you, as you notice that it's, it's mm-hmm. minimalism at its best and it's mm-hmm. these, you know, short staccato statements and dispassion is the most important thing to me, particularly in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And as you move through the collection, the, the the language starts to to sort of like stretch out and get a bit more comfortable and, and then it becomes more introspection and a little bit longer narration, a little bit longer mm-hmm. detail. And that's mm-hmm. intentional in that I wanted to show that that discovery of self. Mm-hmm. And it ends, you know, in teaching poetry to these men in the in the, in the federal prison, mm-hmm. and and coming full full circle to from 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 a place of distance and a place mm-hmm. of unknowingness that mm-hmm. existed within me, and 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 I could have gone in multiple directions, most of them really bad, mm-hmm. to a, finally a place of acceptance mm-hmm. and a place of understanding that my superpower is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that works both as a human being in this world and also as as a writer. So it went from tight, short, brief statements in the very beginning of the essays to these long, these more elongated, um, te- you know, a little bit texture and a little bit more sensual. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that it ends. So that's and it ends on love, you know, and it ends yeah. on love because because that's that's I think one of the most important. Uh, I mean, this is the understatement of the year, but it's just one, one of the most important places to arrive, I think, as, as a yeah. person to, to understand that. So that's, yeah. that, that's why I ended it there. So it's a good question. It's a really good, good question. Yeah. Well, and I, and I was just going to ask you, I mean, you sort of like um, anticipated it. Like some of these topics in the essays and Without Saints are, they're revealing, they're vulnerable. So was it hard for you to share some of your experiences with the world? And even as I ask that, not just like with the general you know, faceless audience out there, but like your kids could be reading this, you know, your, your friends and family, like how did it feel to just open up that way and be that revealing and vulnerable? I do the same in my essays. So I'm sort of asking this, but knowing the answer, but like, I'd love to hear about that, that emotional ride for you. Okay. And that's, yeah, it's a great question. It's now the way I want to answer it is is propose this idea that's somewhat counterintuitive Mm -hmm. and that by being so vulnerable, Mm-hmm. in some ways makes me impervious and bulletproof because yeah. I'm choosing to show you everything. And yeah. so there's nothing that, that there's, there's like no disguise or no trick. And so in some ways that sort of allows me to feel, um, you know, by that vulnerability that I'm, that, that I'm, you know, again, it's just this impervious feeling that it's like, I've, I've shown you everything now granted yes family friends uh you know my daughters who mm-hmm. you know who show up in it particularly sophie i do i i gave them both their copy mm-hmm. and you know of the book and i and, and i particularly talked with sophie at length about about you know the night fairy and yeah. you know and and you know, both daughters grace and sophie are really supportive mm-hmm. but you know i have to say the one thing that that did um i wouldn't say worry but it just sort of it sort of it was, it was, it was like a slight tick in the back of the of, of the brain where it kind of bothered me a, 
a little bit. It was like, in, in particular, there's that one essay that, that I talked about when I was going, going to score heroin and it's something mm-hmm. that I had started doing with, a, with, with this other person that I worked with at a school. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess that the, the, the one thing, that, that obviously was something that I had like, like this sort of double life, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I was mm-hmm. at school, I was, I was at school with these kids who really were struggling mm-hmm. and were suffering and it was hard for them and I'd counsel and teach them. And mm-hmm. I was at home, I had this other you know, I, I was lost and I was trying to find something that made me feel less alone. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that included drugs. But what bothered me a little bit is that I always was afraid they might have felt that I betrayed them in some way, you know, mm-hmm. because of this, uh, because of this, you know, this drug use that I was so enamored and enraptured by mm-hmm. and fully committed to mm-hmm. um, in my other life. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I've had students, several students who were students at the school at, at the time of that, of that of the essay in the book and I've sent them copies and they've been nothing but supportive, yeah, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, it is. And I also think too, that, you know, there's, there's this arrogance that comes with drug use. It's just so strange that mm-hmm. sometimes you think you're a few steps ahead of everybody, but I think there's mm-hmm. usually a couple people a little bit smarter than that. And they're on to <laughs> more than you realize, <laughs> yeah. you know, you yeah. know? So, so I think some of them are like, yeah, we fucking knew that. It's like, you know, there was mornings you come in and you're just out of your mind and you're trying to do your job. And it was like a, late night and you know so you think oh no one knows no one, yeah. no one gets this but you know there <laughs> people are smarter than you sometimes give them credit for it and especially when i was so young yeah so arrogant just so arrogant it's just sort of i'm just just an asshole i mean i was a good person <laughs> but it's just like an asshole in my arrogance of like i can do whatever i want there are no consequences <laughs> okay so this, like <laughs> that's the definition of being young i mean i have four yes. kids who are like 16 to 20 right now and so i totally get that and also i i think like first of all you've always been a nice guy so like i can say that i can vouch for it like you know but we all have these these secrets and these double lives and we think nobody knows and everybody knows or, or maybe they don't want to admit it or whatever. But like, I think that's another Goddard thing. Like, I really think that Goddard accepted us as we were fully and encouraged us to be who we were. And like, I remember in my first collection of poetry, which which came out at graduation and my my parents like really have never understood my writing necessarily, but been supportive. And, you know, my dad had like, he bought like a hundred copies and hosted a book launch at their house and gave the copies to his friends. And I remember thinking, and I was young and arrogant at the time, like I wrote really revealingly about sex and, and the body and everything. And I'm like, oh my God, he never said a word, you know, like it was fine. And who knows what he thought. But like, I also tell my students, I don't know if you do, but like, I always tell my students that like, in, in, who worry about, you know, what is, what's my family going to say or whatever, that like, you know, there's always going to be somebody who thinks they're in your writing and they're probably not. And they, right. they're going to say something. And then the person that's really about is like never going to notice that part or think twice or whatever. And so like, why waste time worrying, right? Like it's, it, you got to be who you are and tell your story because again, it's going to touch someone, help someone, make them feel less alone. And and that's how you show up by being real, you know, by by showing everything. So I love your answer. I think it's fantastic. Oh, good. Well, thank you. And yeah, I, I agree with you too that Goddard did meet you at where you were and just let you be. And again, it goes back to the original point of being so liberating and free, right? So yeah. it's all it's all really great, great points. Thanks. Yeah. So, you know, I love how you straddle genres. I think that's amazing. And I like your your essays flow gorgeously. Your your poems, you know, have that like rawness of your essays. Like it's really cool and you don't see a ton of writers who straddle genres. So, you know, tell me a little bit about how the different, you know, genres and forms of writing play into each other and form each other, sort of like work together in some way. 
Yeah, I just think it's just a, a for for me, and I know I can only speak from my my perspective, and, and a lot of other writers who I've had long conversations about that they, they would disagree. They're like, no, I'll, you know, I have some writer friends like, look, I'm a poet. That's all I am. I'm a poet. I, then there's nothing. I've tried other things. It just doesn't work. But for me, it always just felt like a natural evolution of things that, that, you know, poetry just, just would slowly grow into personal essays. And then the essays themselves started to become these strange speculative short stories mm-hmm. that just because it, it felt natural and right. And it was mm-hmm. thrilling to write. And, and mm-hmm. I love to, to create and I love to create universes and and mm-hmm. situations where people outside of me are finding themselves in trouble and they don't fully understand um, the consequences that are coming towards them or how mm-hmm. they got there there's always mm-hmm. this little bit of, of mystery so in the mm-hmm. movement through through genres um, it's always just felt like that of course is the direction that it's gone and it's it's harder to explain beyond that because i know there'll be many writers who say look i write i write novels that's what i write i'm a writer that's mm-hmm. all i do mm-hmm. but um it just feels good but you know there are other writers that 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 you know one of my great inspirations is dennis johnson you mm-hmm. know and dennis johnson t- took such a strange circuitous route as well starting out as poet mm-hmm. of, of some real acclaim and then mm-hmm. novels and then he went to the short story and and then you know he 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 did do some reportage and he did some 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 nonfiction stuff, but mm-hmm. such a strange route for him. Mm-hmm. But he you know when he ever spoke to it, he's just like it just felt natural, and mm-hmm. I just have to echo that because it feels the same same for me. Um, but they but they all provide different thrills, mm-hmm. um, but they're but in the end they're they're equally. Um, liberating, I think. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll put all the the links and everything in the show notes so people can buy your books and they can see all about you. Um, but I, I want to ask you one last question as our conversation comes to a close. I wonder what advice you might offer to aspiring writers. Yeah. Uh, be persistent. Um, never, never, this is going to be cliched, but it's not cliched because it's the truth. And maybe mm-hmm. that's why it's become so cliched because <laughs> there's nothing else beyond the truth is that they have to not uh, stop relentless and, and, and persistence. Like you have to believe that you matter enough, that your words and your voice matters enough that, that you need to get that out into the world and mm-hmm. you can't, um, ever just wait for someone else to do it for you. I mean, it's nice when things happen and mm-hmm. then people start to understand your voice and they want to help you along the way. That's really mm-hmm. fantastic. And that should happen. Mm-hmm. But but you're going to have moments of doubt and you're mm-hmm. gonna you got re- rejection is gonna be a part of the process, which is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. And you know, you are going to fail, like you know, Beckett said, you know, ever tried, ever fail, fail again, mm-hmm. fail mm-hmm. better. You know, mm-hmm. learning to fail better in your writing is so incredibly important. That requires persistence and relentlessness and read everything. You can't be a good writer if you're not reading and yeah. if you're not and, 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 and you can't be a good reader if you're not, you know, f- fully writing. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I get worked up about this. It's a great question, but it mm-hmm. really gets me going because it's that's it. There's no gloss or glamour or mm-hmm. like, you know, secret that hides behind the curtain that's the answer you have to just be relentless and yeah. not stop that's it yeah that's all i can say and then send your shit out like submit it and like, yeah. join writing groups get get feedback read your work out loud mm-hmm. read it to the fish tank or the, the fern in the sunroom but you have to read your work out loud and and just get it out there yeah and that's it awesome well real quick anything on the horizon what are you working on now 
I just completed a new full-length collection of speculative short stories mm-hmm. um, called Suburbanalia, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple places asked for it, so I sent it out. And Amazing. I'll, so yeah, so I'll, I'll just wait. I'll wait on that and to see what happens. And I'm working on a treatment um, for the Night Fairy mm-hmm. um, that, that's going to be sent out um, to look at maybe make, making that into a film, but that's maybe too much wow. too soon, but, wow. but we're, we're working on that too. So that's pretty exciting. That more that'll happen in December. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to speak with you and I'm, I'm super excited for your success and I'm going to keep my eye on you and um, I'm just really glad to talk with you. So thank you so much for being here on the Make Meaning Podcast. Of course, it's been wonderful. It's been my pleasure. It's been so great to hear your voice again. And thanks for inviting me. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard, subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world. And please leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more at makemeaning.org or lynngaladner.com.